Ladies and gentlemen, here we are, back in a makeshift studio in Holdsclaw's office. There's three gentlemen here, very close, sitting very close together. It's making me, uh, it's making you a little more uncomfortable two, than me. Two and gentlemen and one kind of older man who's a little skittish. Hey, I represent and that remark. And a wonderful woman, uh, remotely, uh, Juliet. Lou she's here Lewis. on a remote. Yes, she's coming through. She's not remotely. She's here on a remote. What do you a say? A wonderful woman. Yes, she's no. You're you're not remotely wonderful. You just are wonderful. So, ladies and gentlemen, it's uh, like the week before Thanksgiving, and here we are, and uh, Holesclaw has got us all together to talk about some very important things. What have you got on the schedule? What what are all these people doing in this office, Jeff? Well, uh, all right. Well, a lot's been going on. A lot's been going on in this country, uh, which is certainly true. Uh, So as as a little, uh, well, first of all, let me, uh, let's have a little some introductions here. So uh, Dave and I are here, as always, for Theology on Mission podcast, but we also have Juliet and Greg, Juliet Lou Waits and Greg Armstrong. Greg, can you introduce yourself? Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yep. My name is Greg Armstrong. I'm a current student, student at Northern Seminary. I'm also on staff here as the director of admissions, uh, future church planter. I've been involved in pastoral ministry in the church for the last... 14 years, and uh, I'm excited, excited to be here. All right, and Juliet, you're uh, remote. You're uh, not in this office, but you're near and dear to myself. You're a co-pastor at Life on the Vine, but can you tell us uh, some about yourself also? Sure. Yeah, I'm Juliet. I, uh, yes, I co-pastor with Jeff at Life on the Vine. We're up in the suburbs of Chicago, and um, I am uh, Asian-American, and um, I worked for a time with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, um, but for the past couple of years have been uh, pastoring with Jeff. I don't know what else. That, <laughs> that was brilliant. That's good. Okay. Yeah, so uh, when I, so to kind of intro this podcast, when I talk about uh, the divinity and human, humanity of Jesus, uh, we kind of, you know, talk about the importance of Jesus' humanity. But at the end, I move from kind of this abstract sense of, of Jesus being a human to, uh, you know, having a true human nature. And I try to remind our class that Jesus wasn't just some abstract human being, but he was a specific human person. He was a first century Palestinian Jew who grew up kind of in the sticks, as we might say, of Galilee, outside of the power centers. He was socially and culturally um, kind of at least on the margins of life, of Jewish life, and certainly Jewish life was on the margins of Greco-Roman life. And so Jesus himself was this embodied cultural human being. And so I always want to remind my class that, and sometimes maybe even in this podcast, you know, as it's kind of run by two white guys, you know, sometimes we can forget that. But over the last couple of weeks with the election of Donald Trump, I think the sense of race and racism or of cultural identities has all come to the forefront. And so we, Dave and I, wanted to have uh, Greg, who's an African-American pastor, and Juliet, an Asian-American pastor, uh, just reflect, hear some of your kind of reflections on the last couple of weeks and just hear uh, from you guys. Uh, and yeah, and just kind of dialogue just about kind of the state of the church kind of in America. So is that all right if we do that? It's great. Dave, are you all right with that? Yeah, and just so everybody knows, Jeff told me to shut up through the whole podcast. <laughs> yeah. He just said, all right, Dave, shut up. So Just be the icon, being the, the eye uh, candy on a podcast. Yeah, being the submissional man that I am. <laughs> boom. I'm not saying, you know, no, I, I, I'm looking forward to this discussion. 
All right. So who uh, would like to go first? I'll just uh, throw it out to Greg. Uh, how have you experienced uh, kind of the election of Trump? Maybe what were your first uh, immediate reactions and like has that changed or evolved in the last uh, week or so? Yeah. Yeah, man. My my initial um, reaction to Trump, I, I had a little fear, you know, when it first happened. I think I think all of us knew that there was a possibility. Um, uh, I, I can't really subscribe to being a Trump supporter um, initially. Uh but what I will say is you know, we knew something was going to happen, but I didn't think he was going to win the presidency. And so when it actually happened, as I was watching the elections that night, um, the final, uh, I had a little bit of a shock in me. You know, I had a little bit of a, a disturbance, a little bit of uh, awe at um, that this is really a possibility and that it's happening. You know, mm-hmm. that was my initial reaction. And how has that kind of changed or evolved or? Well, you know, it's uh, I don't think it's changed necessarily. You know, I still feel as if, um, you know, Donald Trump, uh, you, you know, based on what I've witnessed him to be um, in his talks and his dialogue, uh, I still have a little fear, you know, in terms of my leadership of our nation, uh, morally, ethically, you know. Uh, what's going to happen with the racial um, tension that's in our nation? How is that going to increase? Um, and so, but at this point, you know, we have a new president, you know, and so um, that's where we begin to shift and we begin to have important conversations amongst, uh, you know, the African-American community as well as the other nations that are represented in America and say, okay, what are we going to do uh, moving forward? That's where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Well, and Julia, you uh, you preached a, just a beautiful sermon uh, yesterday at Life in the Vine, and kind of just talked about your experiences of friendship, or uh, and, and kind of how America has a certain kind of sense of it being a friend. I don't want to steal it, but how what were your uh, like uh, reactions and kind of sense of things over the last two weeks? Yeah. <clears throat> Um, you know, I woke up Wednesday morning. I had gone to bed late enough that I sort of knew uh, I sort of knew where things were headed. But still, I woke up Wednesday morning and I was I was still pretty shocked. I felt um, really, I think, too stunned to understand emotionally how I was feeling. Um, and then I, I have to admit, for the first few days after that, I felt pretty checked out. Um, I think there is a part of me, you know, I, um, I am Asian American. I do pastor in a largely white context. We live in a, I mean, our church is situated in a suburb that's largely white. And so I was a little bit fearful about, um, even processing with people because I didn't know, I, I was sort of expecting for there to be, a, you know, a pretty broad range of reactions in terms of the results of the election. And so I was a little bit fearful of just hearing things that would hurt uh, me as a, as the person that I am. Um, so I, I think I checked out for the first few days. Mm. Um, then as I think I've been, um, hearing, you know, just an invitation to Jesus to, uh, to be with him and to experience what he is saying to me in the midst of it, I've felt, I've been more present to these emotions I have of just, um, just painful rejection. Mm. Um, and so, um, if it's is it okay for me to share that story, Jeff? Yeah, that yeah, please. I can share it shortly, but um, just as I've been trying to be more present to my emotions and to help people understand just how I'm feeling, um, just this this story that happened to me when I was a teenager kept coming back to mind um, of uh, a time in high school where I had become friends with a young girl in my class, 
And um, we, you know, our, our friendship had progressed in a way that I thought, you know, we were we were coming to understand each other and really care about one another. Um, and then she invited me to hang out with a circle of her friends who I wasn't as familiar with. And one of her guy friends just um, when I was brought into the circle started um, just sort of like verbally assaulting me hmm. um, for, you know, he was using a lot of racial slurs and he was saying the gist of his message was um, you're really not wanted here. Um, you need to go back to your own country. And he accompanied that with just a lot of language and racial slurs that were very hurtful and painful to me. Hmm. And my friend's reaction to that, and this is my friend was um, a white American, um, was she she laughed it off. So when I sort of turned to her for help, expecting that she probably would would care enough about me to kind of defend me or, or at least say, hey, that's not okay that you're saying that, um, she she laughed about it. And she continued to, to chat with this with this friend of hers. And so <clears throat> for me, that was just a statement of like, um, I thought that I, I thought that this relationship was mutual. Um, I thought that you cared about me as a friend, um, but it's pretty clear to me that I don't mean that much to you. Mm. And so that's sort of how I felt with the whole <laughs> nation of America, if I could say that for the past couple of weeks, just sort of like, hey, America, um, you know, I was willing to work hard and sort of keep up my end of the bargain um, in order for us to be friends. And you've sort of shown me that I, I mean very little to you. Hmm. So it feels painful. It feels like a rejection. Yeah. Or like mm -hmm. a betrayal. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you for sharing that. I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, I obviously don't know how that would feel, but I'm grateful that you and others are expressing kind of those stories and helping uh, people like myself and others uh, kind of understand kind of the emotions and how, you know, it's not just a vote for or against Trump, but there's like these other things that are kind of going on with us as a society. Um, and yeah, we've been, uh, that story really helps me because uh, over the media, the print, the news, everything, Stories like that have been coming out and out and out again. It's it's so much more powerful to hear it directly, first first voice. So cool. Thanks for uh, connecting us on that. So either Juliet or Greg, whoever wants to jump in, like uh, as you look around, like your circle of friends who maybe aren't a part of the mainstream or majority uh, America, like what are the different reactions that you're seeing, uh, either close to you or kind of you know peripheral? Uh, in your in your circles, not that you're speaking for everyone, but just like what are you what are you seeing or sensing? Right. I think initially for me, you know, in my circles, I saw kind of this, um, you know, you know, in in the African American circle that I'm in. Um, of course, I can't speak for everybody, but at first it was, man, I'm getting out of here. You know, I'm upset. I'm mad. You know, this actually happened. How can I find a way of retreat? Um, as an African-American. Uh, but then, uh, you know, over the last few weeks, I've noticed kind of a shift. You know, it's more of a, especially those in the church, um, are starting to kind of rally a little bit more um, and centering our efforts around hope in God, of which many people are calling a uh, kind of a scapegoat, 
you know, at this time, which is unfortunate because I believe that Christ needs to remain in the center of this reconciliation. Mm. But um, but uh, but it start, we're starting to see a shift. At least I am to say, here's what we have. Uh, we've been through this before. Um, we're dealing with some of the same tensions that we've always known, and so it's time for us to rally around and and and, and move forward. Now, what I hope, um, what I hope that doesn't cause is kind of a a repelling and kind of uh, backing into our own corners. You know, again. Um, one thing that I have a passion for is multi-ethnic reconciliation and ministry. And what mm. I hope is that like, you know, the black church or the black community won't, uh, you know, go into our corners and say, Hey, we're going to, we're going to get on the defense. Um, there's racial tension rising even more because mm. of the election. So we're going to come over here in our corner um, and we're going to just, uh, just stay safe, you know, and I'm hoping we don't do that. I'm hoping we continue to have the tough conversations and, and connect with people who are willing to move forward in those conversations. Oh, that's great. Thanks, Greg. Juliet, you have anything to add, add to that or any of the uh, things that you're seeing? Um, yeah, I mean, very similar to what Greg shared. Um, I think as I, you know, I've, I've really tried to connect more with people face-to-face over the past couple of weeks um, instead of over social media. Um, and as I've been connecting with um, some, some of my older Asian-American friends, I think they share a lot of the same feelings I share of just um, feeling pretty, pretty stunned about uh, the election results, feeling definitely a sense of rejection and confusion, like, um, you know, sort of like this, this sense of like, we've been here for so long mm. and we've really, um, we've really sort of given this country our best efforts mm. and still feel like we're being told we don't matter as much. Yeah. Um, so just grief and, and mourning and, and rejection and anger over how that feels. Um, I've heard a lot of my friends just express fear for what um for what is to come so a lot of fear about like for our children like are we going to see this get worse and worse and will our children be safe Hmm. um does that make sense yeah jeff you look confused no 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 i'm not confused i was i was like (laughs) yeah that's got to be painful and fearful and yeah i can echo that like the unknown is kind of a big deal right now you know it's it's what, what, what's exactly. going? We 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 know what we've seen, um, but we don't know what's going to happen. You know what's yes. going to affect the community. Um, yes, that's a generation so from now. Yeah, just that that question mark of like, what's going to happen, and what kind of a world um, am I sending my kids into? What kind of a world are they going to grow up in? Um, and then I think also just at least from a lot of the Asian American friends that I've spoken with in this past week, and some international students as well, um, but kind of a feeling of of hurt, like hurt and pain from feeling like our emotions and our grief aren't necessarily being heard by mm-hmm. our white brothers and sisters. Yeah. Um, and so I think that there's just a sense of loneliness mm. in that, of like, I feel like we're not understood. And I feel like the reason why we're grieving is not understood by our white brothers and sisters. Mm. Yeah, for sure. And it's not even just not understood. It's also like what, probably not like, like we don't really care, <laughs> like get over it already or things like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, I don't think a lot, I don't think a lot of my well, I, I have some great brothers, man. Uh, you know, white brothers who have really come to me and shut the door and said, "Hey, man, you know, you know, here's the deal. Uh, I want to talk about this, and I understand the issues that are going on in terms of my viewpoint. Mm-hmm. But the, the the cool thing, or no, not the cool, the interesting thing, is that they're dealing with their own struggle in trying to convince their white friends." Mm-hmm. You know that that this process of understanding and reconciling is necessary. So it's it's been pretty interesting for me to see. So I have one layer of friends who says, "Hey, man, I want to. We want to sit down. Let's talk about this. We have to deal with these issues. I'm with you." But then they're having a struggle in trying to convince all their friends that this even matters. And so there seems like layers to this. So yeah. So I want to press into that a little bit. This kind of goes off our script a little bit, but. Um so I've had this internal kind of like uh, conflict, and I don't know where you're at with this, Dave. I'm like, well, so I, as uh, you know, a white male, what is my responsibility for trying to convince other white people about the stories that you're sharing, the legitimacy of these feelings of betrayal, or is that something that I should be handing off to like you, like Greg or Juliet or others? Like I'm in this tension. Like I don't want to be like the white guy who jumps in and is like, oh no, I got to convince all the. But okay. so I, does that make sense? I've like having this, ch- how much do I hand off to others, you know, mm-hmm. in the minority church and how much do I need to take responsibility in a sense for my own people and like help them get it? Does that make, does that make sense? I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. I, I don't know if I have the full and I'll, you know, I don't have a full answer for that. But what I will say is I, I think the best, the best way to combat that is joining together. I think seeing um, if there's black brothers and white brothers doing together instead of just the conversation being passed off. You know, how do we how how do we have the conversation together with others? How do we mm-hmm. bring do you bring your Asian American friends, your African American friends in a con- in a circle together to to be present together and talk about these things? Or is it a different now I don't know what that would be like, but is it a different vibe when it's just you mm-hmm. and your other white friends? You, you know right. what I mean? Does that make sense? Right. Hope Ju- that didn't complicate the uh well, I know Dave has a thing on this, but Julia, do you have a question or a thought about that? Yeah, I think it's diff- I think it's difficult. I appreciate you asking that question, yeah. and because on the one hand, you don't want to force your friends of color to be sharing about this right. um, if they're, you know. And I I have to admit, like, it was really difficult for me to feel like. Um, as as a lot of my great uh, white brothers and sisters were asking me, how are you feeling? How is this affecting you? It was hard to want to engage in that place because as a person of color, you're always having to sort of filter what you're saying because you mm-hmm. don't want to like, I don't, so this is maybe insensitive, like you don't want to make your white friends feel too bad. You know? right, so it's right. like, it's hard to like be in this place of grief and rejection and also have to worry about how is this sounding to you? Mm-hmm. And are you going to just accept my emotions mm-hmm. for where for what they are, or are you going to try to like fix me? Um, on the other hand, like I think that we, I think in terms of what needs to happen right now is I do think that we need to listen to more women, and we need to listen to people of color about what their experiences are right now, because we need to learn from them. So I think as much as possible, if you if you can use the spaces that you have to hear from those voices and to, to find, you know, to make it a safe place and um, to use your resources in that way. I think that's, that is what needs to happen. Mm -hmm. 
Thank you for that. Thank you. Um, I'm just trying to figure it out. I know, Dave, you you did this whole thing a couple of years ago where you like you were at a conference and you're like, let me tell you about my racism. What was it? You had this uh, talk. Uh, the uh, uh, I am a racist speech. Yeah, and where you were kind of basically at- said we first have to own uh, us of white color have to own our place of privilege and the fact that, you know, understand ourselves in terms of the hundreds of years of history that we've been formed and shaped to think a certain way. And we don't even know how we operate as racists. So the best thing to do is to take a posture of submission to someone who can teach us how we're being racist. I think that's the whole message of internalized racism that uh, has been, you know, in the process of all of us learning about in the last 10 years. So, yeah. Um, But, you know, uh, I'm, I'm intrigued by uh, something Greg said about the space of of multi ethnic church of um, because I, I I admit that I've been thinking about all this from a political theory point of view, which is not very helpful to those who are existentially going through. <laughs> so what, you just mean you're like Juliet and you've Greg been, are you've going been looking through. at the theory of it all. <laughs> well, to me, I want to ask the question: like uh, you know, Zizek famously said something like, "You know, we're witnessing a terrifying earthquake." All the political coordinates are are being shaken, uh, and and so what is interesting to me is uh, Hillary represented to me this long trajectory of white privilege, this long trajectory of neoliberal capitalism. The one percent are getting richer, the white privilege is getting stronger, the the minorities and and, and the other ninety nine percent are getting more suppressed. All that stuff is going on, and you know Michelle Alexander, the new Jim Crow, all part of the Clinton legacy. Uh, to it's almost like let's just be obvious about what's going on so that now we can deal with it. Is this an opportunity, Greg, Juliet? Is this an opportunity now for the church to engage uh, with real issues, real problems? Is this an opportunity for the safety pin to be put on to step between those that that thing that the that your friend Juliet did not do when you were in high school? Is it the opportunity for us now to do it? And to for the church to have a meaningful role in um, overcoming the racism that now is was probably always there, but now it's doggone clear. Yeah. So of course, I, yeah. I mean, I heartily agree. This is an opportunity for the church to rise up and to fulfill the mission that God has always called us to. At the same time, I mean, I want to say that the cost of us doing that is going to be higher for mm-hmm. believers of color. And mm-hmm. so I just I would want to ask you to remember that that as you call the church into mission and into action that it sounds really great but understand that this unveiling of what's been hidden for a long time that that becoming real and above the surface is going to cost my family or other families of color much more Mm -hmm. than it might cost you Mm -hmm. so we need to tone down a little bit of the oh this is such a great opportunity for the american church and be like well actually this is going to suck and be really hard (laughs) i mean i i i I agree it it is going to cost something definitely i just don't see any other way outside of the church seeking true multi-ethnic reconciliation i think I think the power of me standing next to my Hispanic brothers, next to my white brothers, next to, you know, different nations being represented Mm -hmm. in the church together, right? We have many homogenous 
communities uh, within the church um, that are trying to figure out how do we help the black community, the Asian community, Hispanic community, how do we do that? But I, I think as we move forward in mission, I think we need to really consider um, how do we intentionally um, combat, and I, I will go as far as saying this spirit of racism yeah. mm-hmm. um, that has been um, just the, the undergirding of our nation for so many years. I think the only way it's going to do that is in the spirit, in community, with all nations representing Jesus. And, and, and you know, it's going to be a hard fight if white church, black church, Hispanic church try to figure it out, although there are cultural um, embedded um, traditions and longevity and love within those, 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 uh, those church communities. But I think we need to have true intentionality um, in um, opposing the spirit and the, the fundamental evil you know, that's underlying all this. And of course you can look at it politically. Uh, but I, uh, I've really taken a, a choice to look at it really spiritually. Like what are we dealing with here? You know, we wrestle yeah. flesh and blood. And, and I think for us to really come together like we're doing now and like we're trying to attempt to do in church planning, et cetera, um, we'll see some traction. Yeah. In the last, uh, what, uh, year and a half, uh, since Ferguson, uh, We've had the Black Lives Matter movement, and and you know, Greg, several guys, uh, people from men and women from Northern have been involved in some of those marches. A lot of uh, struggle, a lot of pain, yeah. a lot of, of course, uh, young black and men and women dying at the bullet of a police officer or some other uh, means of coercion in the in the. Uh, places of of where they live, and uh, all this has been going on. Well, in the last week and a half since Trump, throwing up their hands and saying, "You know what? Everything we've been trying, mm-hmm. all that pain, struggle that we've been trying, going through for the last year and a half, uh, we just need to be the church uh, because everything else, all that struggle, all that pain, and all that." I mean, don't get me wrong, all the marches, all the presence in those marches, all of the awareness that needs to happen has been happening. But now we need to go and do things like you're talking about, bringing people together, uh, confessing sin, seeking forgiveness and renewal and reconciliation, healing of the brokenness. Uh, As a black man, do you do you you sense any shift going on? You know, I I actually do. But, you, you know, you have to. You have to choose to want to see that shift. I think a lot of the pain, um, a lot of the pain that the black community has dealt with, yeah. it's hard. It's hard to walk in that because, you know, on on my timeline as everyone else's timeline is going crazy because of the elections. You know, you know, people are saying, "Hey, we this is an opportunity for us to engage God and what is He doing in this nation?" Um, but others don't want to hear that because the pain is just too yeah. deep. You know yeah. what I mean? In mm-hmm. the community, we don't want to hear that. Now we've prayed. You know, the black community has a deep history and mm. a deep, deep tradition of trusting in God and and believing for um, the oppressed to go free and and walking in that freedom. But but the reality is, it's hard for many people to see the reality of that. And uh, but but to be honest with you guys, that's all we got. You know, all we have is the spirit at work. All we have is the church. And I think me personally, I think we're at a place where we're going to believe that God is at work in His church. 
but it has to be an effort of reconciled, multi-ethnic emphasis um, to make it happen. I don't think the black church alone can combat these systems. I think we have to we have to join we have to join forces spiritually. Yeah. Does yeah. that make sense at all? Or oh yeah. I don't want to I don't want to come off as like the the, the yeah, yeah. scapegoat of the spirit. Juliet, you know I mean? do you have anything to add to that as we've been talking? I don't I don't think I can add much to that okay. except for, you know, an amen. Amen. Mm. Well, so, but to that, we had one last question that we kind of prepared before, uh, and it, it's about um, kind of like multicultural uh, ministry. But for, at least for the two of you, like, what would you, you know, because I think we're probably preaching to the choir a little bit. People who listen to the Theology on Mission podcast are probably, you know, trying to grapple with these issues of race and culture and things like that. But, the, but, uh, I would love some practical kind of reflections from the two of you, Juliet and uh, Greg, about, well, how, as a person of color, uh, have you experienced being in, you know, at least attempts at multicultural kind of churches or leadership? And what kind of advice or help could you give to someone like me or Dave and, and just be like, you know, uh, yeah, can you help us out a little bit? Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> like, what is your experience being in a multi-church kind of culture ministry and how can you kind of... Uh, pass along some advice. Uh, well, well, I'll say this. I, I just think um, we need to be intentional about our lives being multicultural or multi-ethnic, not just church, because, you know, we've attempted that over the last 20 years, building these multi-ethnic churches, whether it was a white church, bringing on a black staff member, or, you know, mm-hmm. I've been in those scenarios a number mm-hmm. of times. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I think our lives need to be that. I think we need to seek and seek God for true friendships and relationships that are, that are that are everyday um, interactions. Find a find a, someone of um, Asian ethnicity. You know, some of my friends are Korean, African American, Hispanic, and I really seek for these relationships because I don't think we can build a true multi ethnic community in church if our lives are not not reflective of multi ethnic community. Yeah, I I agree with with um, everything Greg is saying. And I, um, I would just add to that, that to really, for me to really build relationships right now. And I, Jeff, you know, I preached a whole sermon about this yesterday. Um, It was awesome. I just, um, I want us to learn how to grieve together Hmm. and how to meant. And um, there's something to me as a person of color that when, um, as I'm, as I'm uh, in a friendship with, uh, a white person or I'm in a friendship with an African-American person, that like there's something about us being able to say, we're not just going to engage with this with our heads. We're not going to analyze or try to figure out or dissect the situation. We're, we're just going to lay down the control that we think we have, and we're going to enter into true grief with you. Mm. Um, like, I just don't know of any other way to say truly like we are with you i don't know a stronger way to do that than really entering into someone's grief with them mm. and saying i'm here just to lament with you and i'm, I'm not going to try to fix the situation yet mm-hmm. i'm not going to analyze with you i'm just going to cry with you and i'm going to weep with you and i'm going to say i'm sorry i see i see your pain and you're not invisible to me mm. amen mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. amen amen i think that's a. Uh a really great place to end, but also to kind of begin. I, I know our church calendar is rolling over and Advent is beginning and the Lutheran tradition actually sees the time of um, 
Advent as kind of like a mini Lent. It's a it's a place to, in a sense, grieve. You know that God had to go to such that that God identified with our broken human nature and came to rescue us. But that's because we're just in this huge mess. And so, can we? Uh, you know, I, Thanksgiving all the way through Christmas is usually this you know really up time. But can we understand? Can we remember that Christmas is you know full of longing, full of you know deferred hopes and. Uh, so can we enter into that? So thank you for that that message, Juliet. Uh, thank you for being uh, with us also, Greg. We really appreciate oh, it. Um, maybe we should do this uh, more often. I mean, not in like my weird office because, you know, <laughs> we got tech issues. But all of us should get together uh, more often to talk about these things. Thank you so much for your time. Any last thoughts, Juliet or Greg? Juliet, you're awesome. Off? Great to meet you. Yeah, great to meet you, too. Thanks for having us, Justin Fitch. Thank you, Juliet. Thank you, Greg, for being here. Uh, and we got to do it again. Yeah. All right. We're well, gonna have a part two. Part two? Yeah. Okay. We gotta revisit this in about three months. Two or three months? Yeah. Right when he's right when Trump's being sworn in, maybe we could do another <laughs> little like revisit. That happens like what in January? Yes, we'll maybe we'll do that. We'll put you it on. You don't know cameras. when the inauguration is? I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well again, thank you, Juliet. <laughs> thank you, Greg. This is Theology on Mission signing off. We'll be uh, back again soon. <laughs>